Hey, I'm Fred. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ant. And this is Creator Generation. Well, Netflix are like notoriously cagey with their stats, which is hard and frustrating when you come from the world of YouTube and you have like deep, deep analytics on like all your stuff. Um, and then you go to Netflix and you get nothing. <laughs> all right, Fred, what are we doing this week? This week we're chatting with Max Miller, who is part of the Auntie Donna crew, and they have a successful YouTube channel, which they've leveraged into a Netflix show. And he's here to talk to us all about that. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Creator Generation. This week we are joined by Max Miller. Love alliteration. It's the only way to go. Hey, Max, how are you going? Good, thank you. And how's it going? Good, mate. Hey, so you're a director. You do YouTube stuff. You do a whole bunch of other stuff. Maybe you do a better introduction than that <laughs> from me. You do it. Um, sure. Um, so, yeah, I work as a, um, a director um, and producer, um, both like across kind of like longer form and short form stuff. Um, most notably, uh, working as a director um, with Auntie Donna Comedy Group. Um, uh, across our YouTube and our, our recent TV sh- series with Netflix. Um, and then also um, kind of producing with our production company, Having You Done Well Productions, um, and uh, the, the different kind of comedy stuff we do through there. So kind of living a world through comedy, both directing and producing. Love it. That was actually super humble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we can play word bingo on the word humble today. Um <laughs> but let's like what let's go to the start like what does this what does this look like like it, it starts with Arnie Donna is maybe that where we could kick off um yeah sure well I mean I guess like yeah the, I suppose the the beginning for me was to wanting to be a, a director and a filmmaker and um you know studying that at at uni um doing the film and tv production course at Swinburne and then um at the same time had some friends from high school um who were doing an acting um, studying acting at a different university and with some other people there met up and kind of wanted to start doing comedy. Um, and then being the kind of filmmaker friend of the group, um, you know, we kind of chatted one day and it was like, Oh, we should film some comedy sketches. Um, with the initial kind of intention being to just film some stuff to try and get into the Melbourne international comedy festival, Mm -hmm. um, as a live show. So Auntie Donna kind of started as just wanting to be a live act and, um, so we filmed their sketches and then did get into the comedy festival and had that first show. Um, and then from there kind of got asked to do some sketches for channel 31 show, which is the community TV, um, channel in Victoria. And, um, uh, so we did that, we made those and that was fun. And then at the end we kind of, um, thought, well, we might as well, we've just got these sketches now. Let's put them up on YouTube. Um, you know, this was, and this was also 10 years ago. Um, need to like give that context. So we kind of like YouTube was obviously a thing that everybody knew of, but it wasn't like kind of having a channel and being a YouTuber was still kind of a bit foreign. Um, and, uh, we certainly weren't really across that or like had any intentions or desire to kind of do that, um, and be YouTubers and that this was going to think we're going to try and grow. We just kind of had these sketches and thought, well, we'll put them up in a place that people can watch them. Um, and we did that and, you know, we had like a thousand views on some of the videos and we thought that was really cool and kind of liking it. And then kind of had the one morning we woke up a couple of weeks later and one of the sketches had 200,000 views, um, because it'd been posted on Reddit 
Um, and that was kind of the start for us to then realize, oh, this is actually, this is cool. This is a thing that maybe we should be pursuing and doing more of and trying to grow. So yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, not intended, intentional to be like, you know, to have a YouTube channel necessarily. And, and that was going to be such a big part of our lives then going forward. But, um, yeah, like I said, as well at that time, it was like less of an obvious kind of path to take 10 years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, but that kind of really sparked us off. And then we had another sketch from that series that then also kind of got a jump of a hundred or so thousand views. And so we really like, you know, really got us excited and, from then we kind of decided that we wanted to do more for YouTube and really kind of grow that channel. And, and we kind of have ever since. Hey, um, Max, I forgot something that's pretty important here. Like as an Australian interested in this sort of stuff, most like Aussies in comedy will, will know who Arnie Donner is and understand your comedy and what, what it is. And probably hopefully anyone who's elsewhere has checked it out on YouTube and net, you know, the Netflix series, which we'll get into, but, for those who don't know Arnie Donner, like, how do you describe your comedy? Like, I, I call it batshit crazy sketch <laughs> comedy that is just kind of off the wall. But I don't know if that's the official line. Uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's more or less the line. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, Arnie Donner is like, yeah, we're a sketch comedy group. Um, uh, you know, it's doing very kind of like, yeah, absurd and surreal um, kind of comedy. Um, so it's definitely more alternative and a bit more niche. Um, we're a group of six people. So there's the three kind of on-screen performers, Broden, Mark and Zach. They also write um, the sketches along with um, a fourth writer who's not on screen, Sam. And then there's myself as a director, editor, um, shooter, kind of bit of everything as filmmaker. And then also Tom who does all the music and sound. So we're kind of like a group of yeah, six friends from back in kind of high school uni days that have kind of like just grown this um, comedy group um, or people with, yeah, like-minded comedy tastes, I guess, and um, uh, particularly things that are just kind of, yeah, a bit weirder and a bit sillier and a bit crazier um, in uh, in comedy tastes. I want to ask a question about, about that. I mean, you, most YouTubers or most people who have done really well online, they're typically like you know one person you know maybe two maximum um but you've got like five or six people and that's been like that from the start you basically started with a team and had to grow it as a team um how have you found that journey considering you've got to keep so many people together it has been hard actually and at times and like i think it is one of probably almost one of our greatest achievements actually is just staying together um i think that like for a lot of people um you know who want to kind of start any anything or like you know if you're being a youtuber or just starting a company or a group or a band or whatever it is mm. the hardest thing is like keeping people together and even when it's like two people three people but for six people to kind of really commit to um for all this period of time i think has been a a big thing because it really takes like a big buy-in from everybody everybody's got to be really kind of like committed to it early on and then really stick with it particularly through like, you know, you have like the initial honeymoon kind of phase, but then once that kind of fades off, you, that's kind of the trickiest yeah. part once it's like, what are we doing? You know, like with our lives, yeah. <laughs> this is like, you kind of like, you've, you've had some little bit of a success, but yeah, with a couple of sketches that got a few good views on YouTube, but it's like now what? And it's like kind of, um, yeah, pushing through and kind of really committing to it um, is just so important. I, I assume that like, 
obviously don't have any stats on this, but like that most things fail because people just don't, you know, they stop trying or they stop committing to it. Um, so I think it's one of the, the biggest killers is, is that, and we've managed to kind of get by it. And I think just, like I said, just that kind of like, we've always had that big buy-in from everybody. Um, and having the six people has kind of helped in a way because it kind of does, um, we can spread workloads, but also having the more people has always made it feel a bit more of a like, um, you know, it's like playing a team sport. You kind of like, if you play like basketball on a Monday night, you kind of have to go because it's like, you know, you don't want to let the other people down. And so it's yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, a bit of that as well. I think like having the group, it's it's harder to kind of not commit where it was only two of you and you kind of like it's a bit easier to kind of pull out of I think mm. so it might have helped but yeah it's definitely one of the toughest toughest parts I think though that interestingly so obviously not on the same scale as you but my husband and I we run our channel Little Grey Box together and doing it together gives it such a such a deep meaning it's like it, it brings you so close because you're really in the trenches together kind of thing and everything you achieve you achieve together every failure you have you're not alone you have each other and having those goals together it's it's so inspiring you know you're always working towards something as a team I, I don't know I think it I, I really value having that ability to work with him like that and when we work with clients you kind of notice the difference of like having people whose job it is versus you when it's your full life it, it's really inspiring right yeah, totally. I think so. It's like, um, yeah, it's like kind of like also, I guess, like having a, it's a sport analogy again, but like having a gym buddy, you know, it's like that person that kind of helps you kind of get a bit more motivated and forces you to do things where if it's just on your own, you can kind of maybe it's easier to just like be a bit lazy and stuff with it. And it's kind of nice having that working with other people, yeah. that collaborative kind of environment is always really fun. Absolutely. And can I ask, I mean, you know, com- comedy is, is super hard. Like, you know, anyone who's ever tried it will know that. But you've got all these people coming together and your timing, your chemistry, it all just worked. And like, you know, you were friends from school, which is, which is great. But getting all those elements to work together from the directing to the acting to the music to the writing, that must have been something tricky to do, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's, I think, yeah, probably don't have a great answer other than it was kind of, I guess, just lucky in some ways that um, we kind of just did have similar tastes. Like they, you know, kind of, I think it started talking about wanting to do comedy things while they were, you know, together at, you know, at acting university. Um, And, uh, you know, and then I was doing filmmaking, but also just happened to like, you know, comedy was a huge thing for me growing up, um, watching comedy and loving comedy. And then also as a director, I've always been drawn to like very visual kind of like high energy kind of things. And then Auntie Donna style of comedy just happens to really marry with that really well. Um, Mm. because it is just very, um, crazy and and high energy and, and that kind of thing. So like, yeah, I guess like my natural style, like really kind of just happened to work with what they were kind of like, you know, writing, um, so, yeah, I think it's it's just in some ways there is a, that bit of a fortuitous kind of connection there. Um, and it's not something that we've had to like, it's just something we've kind of just almost unspokenly kind of grown over the time as well. So like it wasn't like a a big sit down and plan. It's just like what we've all naturally brought to the project. And I think it's like also helped why we've stayed together is because we are quite naturally minded people in terms of like our yeah taste and style and and what we've kind of bought into to make it has to have its challenges though right directing for youtube 
it's more so I, f- I feel like for the for the writing maybe than, than in the directing in some ways just because like in terms of like what um what you're writing and making for youtube in terms of like the type of content the length of the content you know um the tone of the content that kind of thing um and what works well um and then for me like if i'm I don't really, um, cause now like a big question I get asked is like when we did, I'm sure if we'll get to this, but like a longer form TV thing, like, you know, do direct differently yeah. for like YouTube to that. And the answer is not really like, um, really. it's kind of, I feel like for me as a director, it's kind of, um, still the same process, you know, um, of going through and how you kind of plan for a shoot, the way you kind of break down a script, shot list out a script, you know, kind of work with the production designer or the DOP and the wardrobe designer, mm. um, all those things doesn't, don't really change too much. Um, it's just really like kind of more what's on the page. That's, that's different, um, for the different formats. And look, like you said, you have done some pretty amazing things. We will talk about the, the Netflix series in, in a moment, but I just want to talk about perceptions for a second. Obviously you guys came from, you know, grassroots getting onto YouTube. Um, obviously your content did very well, um, you then crossed over to some more traditional aspects in traditional TV um, and then onto you know, a platform like Netflix. What was the perception of being a, a YouTube or YouTube director and your ability to take that across? Like, well, what are people, when you tell people what you did and what you wanted to do, were there, were there any sort of ums and ahs about, the, about you getting involved in the YouTube to traditional approach? Yeah, well, there's definitely, um, it was... I guess both a, a gift and a curse being like YouTubers because you do become very much branded with that. And, um, that's great for our YouTube channel and, you know, everything we're trying to do there and kind of grow our online presence and everything, but definitely in the traditional media world, um, it was like, you're very quickly kind of branded as that, even though Auntie Donna was just as much a live act, um, from the very beginning as it was, um, a YouTube group. Um, we were kind of always, known as that and you know if if the guys are doing a live thing and they were being introduced it was like in youtube is auntie donna you know and or like a, if there was an article in a magazine or something it'd be like auntie donna or youtubers from you know who started in blah 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 so it was kind of always be kind of branded at that and when you're kind of doing things like yeah like media um yeah interviews or like live things it was definitely kind of having that branding but then also when we're trying to do longer form TV stuff, I think it was really tough in the early days as well to get past that a bit. It was a bit like, Oh, this is the thing you do these short videos on YouTube that, you know, that means that's not going to work for It means you can't do a long form. It's very different. And you know, it's, it's half an hour episodes and it's, you know, you kind of just do that, but not this. Um, and so I think there was, it was definitely hard, really hard to kind of break that a bit. Um, and definitely, I mean, the style of comedy is also definitely more alternative and everything, which doesn't, you know, help when you're trying to, in, especially in Australia where the market, um, TV market is so small and so many, so few comedies are made. Um, if you're kind of like, yeah, a bit alternative as well, it's not going to, it's a hard sell. Um, but then also having that YouTube branding just seemed like a thing that's like, not really that had been done. Like in Australia, we've now had that also with Superwog, who have had two successful seasons of um, their TV show. Um, so it's awesome to see that like there are YouTubers who are transitioning into TV and doing well to kind of prove the point. Mm-hmm. I think it's just like a slow kind of changing of the mindset, particularly for the kind of older TV, um, world. 
um, to catch up onto like, you know, what, you know, the online kind of world and, and how it's not actually that different to the TV and stuff. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a kind of, um, a long process trying to get through that. Yeah. Right. So obviously you got through that though, mm-hmm. right? Cause you can convince Netflix and a whole bunch of other people, but let's go to Netflix to trust you guys. So yeah, totally. I mean, it's also worth noting as well that like when we started, Screen Australia didn't have any funding for online production. Um, you know, it was only like film and TV. And that was very much just, again, the mindset. Um, and now they have an amazing online production fund um, and fund lots of great online um, shows. So, you know, that's kind of like, it's interesting, been interesting seeing that transition of when like it wasn't like really a regarded thing to now. It's like something that Screen Australia really supports um, as well as the more kind of state, um, funders too. So there's definitely been that change and everything. Um, and with Netflix, I think, yeah, it was kind of, um, I mean, they're just, they're definitely a lot less, <laughs> um, reserved in that regard. Um, and also, um, an enormous company that can afford to take more risks and that kind of thing as well. So, you know, in Australia, like I was saying, it's hard if you're kind of making one if a network is making one, maybe two comedies a year at best, that they're going to pick something that they think might have a bit of a niche audience. Whereas Netflix who are making, you know, 10 shows a week can um, afford to have like a, take a bit of a punt on like a sketch show from Australia (laughs) um, to, you know, to make. Um, So, and they were looking to make sketch shows at the time as well. So they kind of like funded a few other sketch shows when they kind of um, greenly ours. So it was like, that was a kind of a, a thing they were doing at the time. So the fact that they can have just like a period where they, they kind of green light a bunch of sketch shows is also just shows how much scope they have to, to make stuff. So it's just a bit of a different world. Hey, just a quick interruption. We have the Creator Generation Discord community. Join your fellow creators from all over the world. We are here to help you grow, thrive, succeed, help each other be accountable and get it done so hit the link join us in the discord i look forward to seeing you there it is a dream of many i think creators to have a, a netflix show at some point so can you sort of tell us like how did that go like what was the journey from going from youtube to... <laughs> yeah going from youtube to netflix like how did that happen like what was the process how how did they approach you or you approached them and then how did that transition no detail well it was quite a i mean a long journey um that kind of started uh i think there's a short version and a long version um but if it's spent no detail i guess like i think the full picture kind of also helps to paint like how long of a process it can be um and also how long you know that takes like off the off straight off the top you know we got the netflix series about eight years into our life as auntie donna so certainly no overnight kind of thing to happen um uh and kind of how it started is like about four years into auntie donna we got like an email from some random guy on the internet um who um claimed he was like a kind of talent manager in la and that he had liked our stuff online and kind of wanted to help us help represent us over there he said his name of his company, but there was like no website kind of Googled them and they had a bit of a presence, but not really. And I was like, this sounds like we're being catfished and <laughs> trust this guy. Um, but we kind of like, why not? We just kept chatting and had a few Skypes and stuff. And, um, 
uh, it seemed like a real person, but we still didn't really know like what his whole deal was. And then a couple, and that was like, then a couple of years later, he emailed and was like, Hey, you should actually just come over to LA for a week and do some meetings. I go help set them up for you. And we're like, okay. <laughs> so we all bought flights and accommodation and stuff and hoping this was going to be something and went there and sure enough, he was a real person and <laughs> he did work for a real talent kind of agent agency company thing. Um, and he had set up some meetings for us. <laughs> so, um, we did them, we did about 10 and nine of them didn't come to anything, but one did. And we kind of had a bit of a relationship with a production company over there called Pacific electric. And again, that started like another, like two, three year kind of like, yeah, two year kind of chat, um, back and forth of just like ideas here and there and trying to work on things. And then, yeah, over that time we kind of narrowed in on this kind of like um sketch show idea with all the guys living in a house and it was like all these different sketches and um there's a loose narrative for each episode and and that kind of thing and eventually they kind of um once we kind of settled with that they were able to um uh set us up with some some pitch some pitches and stuff some pitch meetings to kind of pitch the show they'd also kind of um, partnered up with um universal um, who were involved at the time, but later pulled out. Um, and so that kind of like helped get us in the door. So we kind of pitched to Netflix, Amazon and Apple, um, for the show and Amazon, Apple passed and Netflix said yes. So, um, that was kind of, yeah, I guess the journey. So it was, you know, it started from this kind of seemingly random guy who just found our stuff on YouTube, who liked the videos, um, (laughs) to then many years later going over and having some meetings that he set up to then meeting these people in those meetings, Pacific Electric, who then a couple of years later helped us get up with Universal and then pitch to Netflix. So it did kind of really start from the simplest of things, which is, yeah, just having some videos on YouTube that someone in LA saw and liked. So it can, you know, start from the simplest kind of thing. And then it's a, yeah, a long kind of journey from there. And once you got the the go ahead, what happened next? So, well, the go ahead was, <laughs> that was kind of a really stressful time because it was like, we got the kind of, well, we thought it was official green light. And then a year later, we were still hadn't progressed to anything. So we had like 12 months of sitting around wow. not knowing like what was actually going on, if anything was going to happen, because we didn't see any contracts kind of conversations went quiet for a bit, um, and it was just kind of like we we put off doing a live show that year. We put off doing other things because we didn't know if we were just going to get the call. It would be like, okay, we're ready now. Come over and make the show. It was just mm-hmm. we just didn't know what was going on for 12 months. So it was a lot of sitting around and it was a very kind of awkward, stressful time. Um, and, yeah, it really impacted other things that we were doing. And eventually kind of became a thing where we had to set the deadline of being like, it was getting to the end of that year. And we're like, we need to start working on a live show for next year. If the Netflix is not happening, we need to know. And we said, we, it was just us saying to Netflix in the end, we we need to make the show by the end of this year or we're not doing it kind of thing. Um, uh, I don't know what would have happened if they, <laughs> if they then didn't make it happen that year, but they did. They, then, then they said, okay, we'll, we'll, let's do it. Like, And then literally a week later, we were on a plane flying over to LA to, to start okay. pre-production. You bullied them. It was, it was so strange. <laughs> it was like giving them the ultimatum. But then thank God we did because we, we filmed it and wrapped before Christmas and then finished post in March and then COVID hit. And so we... 
if, if it had been delayed like another two months or something or another couple of months, then we might not have been able to do it. So, um, yeah, the timing in the end was, thank God, we just snuck it in. Wow. So you, from the time you said, yes, come over, you actually went there, you did post, you wrapped it in how many weeks? Like normally TV shows yeah, take funny. months or years to get, you know, done. You did it in a couple of weeks? Uh, no, no, it was like, so um, a lot of the, some of the writing we definitely had started here, a lot of the writing had been done. And then we, when we got over there, we had about five weeks of pre-production. Like, so the guys were kind of, doing redrafts while I, on the, on the scripts while I was starting pre-production with the crew and, and getting all that kind of shoot stuff ready. Um, that's which was like kind of officially four weeks of pre-production with crew coming on and building the set and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we had a four week shoot, um, which took us up to Christmas and then we were editing for three months. So from like new year's to you know, kind of, um, mid March, um, so less than three months. Um, yeah, like two and a half probably. Um, and by mid-March, we kind of had all the edits done. There were still a few kind of notes and stuff on the last few episodes that we did remotely when we came, came back home. Um, and then we still had to do the sound mix, color grade, VFX, titles, all that kind of stuff, which all happened remotely. Um, and then I think we did handed in the final delivery was probably like June. Um, so yeah, the post period was still probably like five months um, at least I would say. And did the whole process, I mean, you, you went and you, had you directed like a TV-esque show at that point? Was it your first real experience in, in directing something that big? Yeah, definitely for that, that budget and that length, um, was yeah, the biggest, like the, the only other kind of like longer thing like that, that I directed was, um, we had done like some, we had done two different uh, TV pilots in Australia, um, over the years before, before Netflix. So they were kind of the only like longer form things like that, that I had directed. Um, and I'd worked on feature films, um, in other roles, like when I was younger and stuff as well. So I'd kind of seen how like bigger productions and stuff had worked, which was good. Um, but yeah, directing six, ep six half hour episodes with that budget and in that time was definitely a, a new experience. And what was it like actually directing like other you know, famous actors. Like, did you do the Ed Helms episode, for example, or Egg Helms? Episode? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I directed all the episodes, so it was across like every, every everyone that was in and stuff. Um, yeah, it's it's fine. It's just like anything else. It's just I think just treat you just treat it normally. It's you know, like it's any any kind of yeah, a normal person. We've 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 also had like the um, been lucky to work with some awesome like big name Australian um, comedians and stuff when we've done stuff here so um yeah whether it's you, you know someone well known here or well known in america it's you know it's still just kind of yeah treating it the same and everything but ed was lovely but ed, ed also like um he was an executive producer at pacific electric which was the company that we worked with to get the show up so he was involved in the making of the show and we kind of had you know spoken to him quite a bit before that and stuff as well um and he helped like pitch the show so he was in the room in the pitch to Netflix and stuff. Um, right. so yeah. Um, but then, yeah. And the other people on the show and everything, um, yeah, they were, everybody was, everybody was great and didn't, didn't have anyone that was hard to work with or anything like that. There has to be some story, right? Like some crazy story that happened from production, something you can tell us that you're like, Oh man, that's a movie moment. <laughs> no, no. Um, 
the dishwasher was a real pain in the was it the dishwasher or the washing machine was a real pain the in the dishwasher ass, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a real real pain in the ass talent <laughs> real pain in the ass yeah always singing yeah <laughs> um but no no everybody was like yeah everybody was really good and like yeah it's very professional um and i'm trying to think if there's anything interesting but i don't think i really don't think there was like yeah Max, just so humble. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so humble. Yeah. And not willing to burn any, any bridges either. Um, smart. Very smart. Very smart. But, I mean, clearly clearly, it's a, a, a long journey from, mm. you know, from com- early conversation where you're getting potentially catfished to um, actually getting something like this made. So I think that's kind of a, an important mm-hmm. thing to understand. Is it like what about the difference in – having that complete control like you guys obviously with your live shows and um youtube and everything else you have and the podcast you've got your complete control right mm-hmm. and then i'm assuming once you start working with a couple of production companies and netflix that may not be the case or is do you just get to do what you want yeah so um the awesome thing about working with them is that yeah they were um really kind of hands off um with a lot of the the production and, and the development and stuff, which was which was really great. So they gave notes, um, you know, during the the writing um, and then during the edit. But it was it wasn't it was a very fair and kind of very reasonable amount of notes and and fine notes and stuff. And like they they didn't really like impede much at all. And in fact, said to us um, when we got there and started pre production, they were like, you know, we're going to be mostly pretty hands off you know, we want you guys to do what you do. We'll give you some notes and guidance, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, make the show you want to make, which was the most incredible thing you could like ever hear, particularly because it was the opposite of our experience that we had had in Australia, um, where like things we'd worked on had, had gotten a lot of um, notes and um, been funneled into certain directions. Um, so, yeah, and they didn't really like, I think they came to set like one day, um but like they were kind of pretty, yeah, pretty hands off. Um, and uh, it, and if they had a note that we were strongly against, if we had a good enough argument, you know, we could also like kind of yeah get it over the line as well in, in in that kind of way too. So yeah, they were really good. And I think um, you know it just shows like I think we definitely felt before the show came out, we said no matter how it did, we felt like we were really proud of it and that it was mm-hmm. like the best thing that we could have ever made. Um, and it comes from just yeah having that kind of being allowed to to do what you want to do, and it just makes so much sense. It's so obvious of a thing because it's like from Netflix point of view, it's like you're you're hiring these people who have been making stuff for you know eight years, and you want them to make that, then why would you get in the way? You know, mm-hmm. just just like mm-hmm. if you're hiring, if you're getting a creative a creative person to do the thing that they have been doing most of their lives, and let them do it. You know. Um, Whereas, yeah, but it's also part of like, I guess the Netflix can afford to be a bit probably looser with that because again, they're making so much stuff. Mm. It's less pressure on one, one single show. Whereas in Australia, if there's one or two comedies being made, it has to be, you know, perfect and reach the most amount of audience and all that kind of thing. And so there's a lot more chefs and it's a lot more pressure on it being a success. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas, yeah, Netflix can probably afford to be a bit more hands-off. But it's also just, I think, a smart approach and definitely one that we take when we do stuff as having done well as a production company, when we work with other 
comedy creators is to be very hands-off as well because it's like if we want to work with this person it's because we love their comedy sensibility and we want them to you know make a show that is of their sensibility so um and not and not try and yet yeah, control control it so one question i have for you max um if i was well it is my life dream to follow a same similar path as you so as somebody who has no experience and i have gotten one catfish email in the past and i was like this guy can't be serious he was but COVID happened and got in the way but um <laughs> what are some red flags what are some things that you should look out for some things that say hey maybe this would be indicative of maybe a working relationship that isn't going to end well or um, yeah, things to look out for as, as newbies. It's hard to judge without a case-by-case basis, but I think, um, you know, definitely, obviously where the person's from is a big, um, is a huge aspect mm-hmm. of it. So if you don't know where they're from, then obviously that's a huge <laughs> um, red flag. Um, or if they're from a thing, but you're not really familiar with them um, or like what they do, you don't kind of really align with, like the stuff that they kind of make um, or like usually kind of produce or whatever it is they do, then, you know, you kind of, it's, you definitely want to be connected with, if you're going to kind of connect with someone like that, it's like you want to make sure that they're of a similar mindset to you Mm. um, and that the stuff they do, there's like, um, you know, some relationship there between other stuff they've done and what you do to see that they're going to be a right fit. And then also like, I guess, just kind of, always being very mindful of conversations you have and just kind of, um, you know, noticing any red flags that might come up, like in terms of like things they say or things they might overpromise, or if it sounds like they're going to be very controlling or like it sounds too good to be true maybe or something like there's just, yeah, it's kind of like just being across that. But I think, I think a lot of it comes down to like who, who this person or company is and what they've done, you know, and, and, kind of seeing like how legitimate or not it might be and how much stuff they've done in the past actually relates to what you do. Awesome. Have Don't you said me. no to anything like that? Like any opportunities that, that was a good idea to say no or it's a, you, you're kicking yourself you said um, no to? Sure. think of like, I mean, it's obviously like the kind of more spammy ones. I remember in the early days we used to get so many of those um, MS, MSN, MSN yeah. um, emails or were they? MCN? Um, <laughs> Used to get like spam, MCN. That's it. Yeah. MCN, I think. Yeah. yeah. Used to get spammed to death with those of like being like, oh, we can like elevate your platform, and you know, if you join with us. And now that seems so obviously like kind of like just like bullshit. But at the time, it was yeah. When you first get them, it's kind of you don't know, mm-hmm. so it's it can be hard to kind of judge. Um, once you start getting, once you've got your twentieth email from a twentieth different company, you know it's kind of <laughs> um, not real. But um, uh, yeah, I think probably I'm trying to think of like we've 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 had like definitely over the years like other producers at like usually like from America who've got production companies um, again, and they've seen our you know, videos on YouTube and, and, and really liked it and said they want to work together and stuff. But, um, like, I think if that person was in Australia, they would have like some kind of a bit, actually a bit more credibility because you could more easily see what they've kind of done and, and kind of see where it kind of stands. But in America, there's just, I think a lot more, just so many more like producers and like, and we think of the big kind of studio and production companies, but there's also a million small production companies and they've all like, you know, maybe done like one, 
TV show for the lifestyle channel or something like that. And, but they say they want to make a comedy show and they love your videos and stuff. And like, we've definitely had a few of that where it was like, and again, in the early days, it's like a producer from America and they've done some TV shows that it sounds like it could, it could be like really exciting. But then you look at the stuff that they made and in most instances, it was like, it didn't marry at all with what we were doing. And we never heard of the shows they'd made. Like they were real shows, but we never heard of them. And it was like different kind of genres and stuff. And it's like, I mean, on the one hand, it's like they are a producer in America and they have made TV shows. So maybe working with them could be an opportunity that could lead somewhere. But on the other hand, they don't make anything that we've kind of made. And it's like, I haven't heard of them and it seems like an odd fit. It doesn't seem like the right kind of marriage. So it's, that's where it's kind of like, I guess that case by case thing, but all coming down to like, does this person actually do stuff that relates to what you do? Um, and not just jumping at it because it's like, oh, I'm a producer from America, you know. Um, whereas like Pacific Electric, who we ended up partnering with, like obviously Ed Helms' company, and so they've done a lot of comedy, like a lot of great comedy things, um, comedy productions and stuff. So it just was like a much obvious choice. But obviously Ed Helms helps. <laughs> but um, it, um, but the, just the the stuff they'd made was a more obvious connection as well. So, and how did? how was it received i mean mm. you know we i i love the show but you know i love that kind of, kind of comedy but how would how's it received globally um well netflix are like notoriously cagey with their stats um <laughs> which is hard and frustrating when you come from the world of youtube and you have yeah. like deep deep analytics yeah. on like all your <laughs> stuff um and then you go to netflix and you get nothing <laughs> um so we only kind of like had like their word on it and like brief word on in a couple of meetings after the show came out but basically they, they just said that it um had done like really well in australia um uh and also the uk and canada were really strong um and then the us was was good not as good as they had hoped um quite hoped um which was interesting but um yeah like still decent but yeah australia they said did great and uk was great and then yeah, Canada was pretty good. So um, yeah, kind of all the countries that made sense, um, that make sense and what we've seen in terms of like when we've toured and stuff as well um, and that kind of thing. US was interesting actually, cause like our YouTube channel um, by demographics, uh, the US is actually our highest more than Australia, um, more people, I guess. But um, yeah, it sounds like with the, with the series though, the Netflix series, it was, it was much better in Australia than it was in the US. Also not a surprise though, I think. Would you do a season two? Um, we would, but I don't know if it's going to happen with um, Netflix or not. It's kind of, yeah, tricky because um, at the time when we were hoping we would have going over, we're still in the kind of the, the kind of the peak of COVID and everything. And definitely and going back to LA was like an impossibility at that time. Um, and yeah, so it's been a bit unknown in terms of, um, like I said, they, they were really happy with how it did here in the UK and stuff, but not so much in the US. So yeah, don't know what will happen. And, and they haven't, the only other sketch show they've given a season two to is been Tim Robinson's, I think you should leave. Um, the other sketch shows they made have all not got season twos. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a very Netflix thing to do, I guess. Fair enough. Now look, it, um, I guess one of the I think questions I wanted to ask particularly for, I guess, the, the, the audience here is like, what tips would you give for anyone who wants to do that? Like go from YouTube to Netflix, we summarize a couple of key tips 
um, about that that journey and how to make it happen. Uh, a lot of the stuff we've talked about in terms of like those kind of relationships and and kind of handling that is yeah has been a really big part of it. Otherwise, I suppose like I think it comes down to like what it is you're doing and what you're kind of like making your YouTube channel for and what you're growing it to be. Um, a, a big thing I, I think um, is that you know you kind of if you're doing something like you're starting a YouTube channel, like it's, I think it's really good to be like, um, specific and kind of targeted in, in, in what it is you do. Mm-hmm. So we didn't like, you know, um, like for us, for example, it was always like the style of comedy that we do, which is a bit more niche. We've kind of always really stuck to, we haven't like tried to broaden it out to try and get more subs or anything like that. We've kind of, we do the thing that we do and try and really kind of specialize in that. Um, and, and I think for anyone, it's like, whatever it is you're doing for your channel, you should kind of special, you should be specializing in that thing, whether it's a style of comedy or it's, uh, an, 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 uh, a style of, um, analysis that you do or like whatever it is, um, your content is, or, you know, a type of cooking or whatever. Like, it's just like, you should be, you know, really kind of like, yeah, specialized in that. Cause I think people on YouTube, they come to your channel for that certain thing. So I think being, yeah, really kind of like committed and focused to that has been good to the, to the point where it's like, you're kind of putting with YouTube in terms of connecting it to the Netflix, you know, it really was just having like that catalog of, of stuff that we had made on our channel that I think had been consistent in its kind of tone and style and what it does that has let other people stumble across it and find it. And then if they like it, that's great. And then they can watch all the videos and they can get a bigger picture of like, all the stuff that you've done and and if they like it then that's a really great thing because at the end of the day yeah it's how how obviously i was saying the netflix story started which was just this this guy um who had who had seen our videos on on youtube which i think is like yeah an exciting kind of like point to make that's like you know it's not it's not like um uh it's not it's not as if netflix are gonna see your videos and give you a call and be like hey it's netflix we love your youtube channel want to make a show like it's not going to work as like that, but, but it can still be that like for us, it was a talent rep who did see our videos and did give us the call and be like, Hey, I like your videos. I want to work with you. And then it's like a slow journey from there, mm-hmm. but it's still that thing of like that random person stumbling across your stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And so if you've kind of, yeah, really kind of, you know, and we, by that point had like four years worth of content. So you could see that we were very kind of established and serious and had a consistent and established tone and style of comedy and improved it over many years. Um, I think all of that, you know, went a long way to like selling us as like being a legitimate kind of thing rather than just like a, you know, something that we're just doing for fun for a bit, but not really that serious about or committed to or anything like that. That's really helpful. So what's next? Where does this all go to? What's happening next? What's going on? So, give us yeah, the hot scoop hoping... too. Sorry, Max, before you go, we we only want exclusives. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't settle for anything <laughs> other than exclusives. Well, the probably the best exclusive <laughs> <laughs> I can try and give is that um, we have something exciting coming up, but I can't say what it is. Um, but that's it's still an exclusive but there's something exclusive <laughs> <letdown>. um, so <laughs> hoping it would be like a half, two half, big half. old house of fun on paramount plus <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll say uh, not quite, but in, in that ballpark, I guess. Yeah. Oh, oh. Anyone else want another nice, go? Yeah, Come cool. on, let's play some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Max is squirming. He's like, don't shut up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, we've got some, like, yeah, we just kind of had a, a really great, like, a um, nationwide kind of tour recently, which was really great and, and did really well. Um, so kind of coming off the back of that and then, yeah, now for the second half of the year, going to be working on a new uh, longer form project, which will be really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then also we've been doing a lot of stuff with our production company as well with um, other comedians and stuff and and growing our second YouTube channel, um, Grouse House, um, which is a, a channel that we kind of started as a, a place for also for Australian alternative comedy, kind of like ours, but not Auntie Donna. So just other people who make great comedy that we like, I think there's like, you know, similarities in terms of just being on the weirder, sillier, crazier kind of side. So, um, we're, yeah, growing that at the moment too, and, and making some really fun stuff. We had a series on there, um, with hot department called dark web that's um, having its last episode next week. And that's been a really like awesome fun series to kind of have. And is, I like personally love, like it's so my taste and I, I love that we get to kind of make other things um, like that as well with other people and, and get their stuff made because it's so, I just love getting to see it um, and that getting that out there and seeing the reaction and stuff has been really great. So yeah, doing more of that um, as well going forward. Awesome. And I can, can confirm Grouse House is awesome and, and the Hot Department Dark Web series, awesome. Yep, love it. Yes, I guess I can do it. It's very interesting. <laughs> More batshit crazy off-the-wall comedy. It's awesome. Um, yeah, definitely. If it's if a jam, definitely check out Grouse House. We've got more yeah. of that. <laughs> awesome. I reckon that's a, a good place to wrap up, unless anyone else wants to try and get a good scoop out of our most humble guest. <laughs> no. <laughs> like that? We- weaving it in one more time. Way more time. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks, Max. Thank thanks you. so much for being with us, and uh, looking forward to seeing what happens next. No worries. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's fun to chat.